Mark chapter number five, if you'll turn with us this morning. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't come to preach this message. In fact, I didn't even get this message until uh, the close of Sunday school. It was just running through my mind, and I scribbled some things down here on the power bill, and so I hope there's some power in this message, okay? And so you'll have to bear with me this morning. But I was going to preach something else, but I'm telling you, at the close of Sunday school, the Holy Spirit just dropped this thought in my heart and said, this is what I want you to preach on, and it goes right along with that song that was sung this morning. Mark chapter number 5 and verse number one, the Bible says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadareans. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwellings among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter unto them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirit went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran vitally down a steep place into the sea. They were about two thousand and were choked into the sea. And they that, were fed, and they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. They come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told him how it befell in him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart from out of their coast. And when he was come into the ship, he that was possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends. And tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath compassion on thee. Let's bow for a word of prayer this morning. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence today, God, we want to thank you for the good singing. We want to thank you for what you did for us in the Sunday school hour. And I pray, God, that you'd give us liberty this morning. I pray that you'd bind the forces of darkness. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ, and I pray for wisdom beyond ourselves. God, I pray that you'll touch our vocabulary this morning. Help us not to say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit in any way. God, may you have the preeminence. I ask you, Lord, to do what needs to be done in this service. Save the lost and reclaim the backslid. Touch every heart this morning. God, I pray that we'll all leave different than we came for the glory of God. We'll thank you for it, for we ask it in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You can be seated. I want to draw your attention this morning to verse number 3 and 4 where the Bible says who had his dwelling among the tombs, notice this, and no man can bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters were broken in pieces. I want you to notice in these two verses of scriptures that how many times the Bible refers to fetters and chains. And society had taken this man and this man is in somewhat a pitiful condition because of sin. He has come to a place that society has deemed him hopeless and helpless and 
There's nothing else that they can do. I don't know that they had psychiatrists in those days, but I'm sure that they had taken this man to anybody and to everybody that could try to psychologically uh, reform him and change his life. I'm sure that he had saw many people. Perhaps he had been to the temple and sought help amongst the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, only to find out that religion cannot change a man. What a man needs is salvation. Amen? And they come to the point in this man's life that there's nothing else they can do uh, but chain him and bind him up, only to find out that he has strength beyond uh, mortality to find that the chains and the fetters themselves could not bind this man. And I want to say this morning that the reason for that is because this man was shackled in another form and fashion. He was not uh, shackled by this world. They could not contain him, but belonged to, belong before the world had ever played shackles on this man. This man was shackled by sin. And by the help of the Lord, I want to preach a few minutes on that subject, on the shackles of sin. The shackles of sin. You see, my friend, if you're here this morning and you're lost without God, you know what it is to be bound by sin. And if you're saved this morning, you know what it is to be set free from sin. You know what it is to have the shackles taken off of your life. When she sung that song just a while ago, I didn't know that uh, the Lord would lay that on Brother David's heart. But he said, can she sing that song? And I said, that'll be fine by me. But when she got to singing that song and she talking about, uh, the songwriter was talking about him setting my spirit free. I want to tell you, friend, that's exactly what salvation does for a man is that God takes the shackles of sin off of his heart and off of his life and God sets him free. Amen. And Jesus said, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Doesn't it feel good to be free this morning and I'm preaching on the shackles of sin. What I see about this man in this text this morning is that this man is suffering. This man, my friend, is going through great torment. He is being tortured by the very demons and devils of hell. I see that this man is not only suffering, but I see that he's satanic. As we see in this text that as Jesus begins to speak, he asked him, he said, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit, in verse number eight. And then in verse number nine, he asked those unclean spirit, he said, what is thy name? And they say, we are legion, or my name is legion, for we are many. So here's a man that is suffering. Here's a man that is satanic. He is demon possessed. And you might be here this morning and say, Brother Gravely, does that still happen? I want to tell you, it surely does. Amen. Friend, we're living in a demon possessed society. If you believe in angels, you've got to believe in demons. Amen. And if you believe the Holy Spirit can live in, a heart of, in the heart of a man, you should believe that demons can also possess a man. Oftentimes we look at people and we say, why do they do what they do? How are they, why are they living the way they're living? Some people are living that way because they're demon possessed, amen? Just because someone is demon possessed does not mean that they can be set, they cannot be set free. I'm gonna tell you, but friend, it takes God to do that, does it? And what we find in this text is that this man has reached a hopeless condition as far as the world can see. He is, he is shackled by sin. He is, sin, he is sinful and he is suffering and we find that he is satanic but we also see that he is shameful as the word of God tells us that this man was naked. He had taken all of his clothes off. You say, preacher, that doesn't make sense. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. Demonism and nakedness, if you study it, it always goes together. And the reason this man had stripped himself of his clothing was because 
because he wasn't in his right mind. Anybody in their right mind wouldn't take their clothes off. Can I get an amen right there? But this man takes his clothes off. He is naked. He is living in the graveyard. He is in some, he is in a very sad condition this morning. And this man was some man's mother. He was some mother's boy. This man was some woman's husband. This man this morning was some other man's friend. And I'm sure there was conversation throughout uh, Gadaria there about, about the sore condition of this man. Somebody probably asked, where is he? And he might have said, they might have said something like this. Well, the last time we had saw him, we had tried to bind him, but he took off and, and he, he ran to the tombs. And, and the Bible says that he was cutting himself in those tombs. Uh, I'm telling you, listen, we're seeing that amongst young people today. Isn't that right? And they're cutting themselves. And you say, why do they do those? things uh, because that's what demonism does. Uh, it torments a person. It causes them to cut themselves. Uh, and my friend this man the Bible said was in the tombs he was crying. Uh, he was depressed. Uh, he was uh, living in sorrow. Uh, he was cutting himself. This man looked hopeless didn't he? But then one day there came another man on the scene and this man found some things on the seashore in verse number one he, the Bible says, and they came over unto the other side of the sea. This man found something on the seashore that day, uh, my friend, that forever changed his life. You say, what did he find? I want to say this morning, first of all, he found a person that matters, amen? The Bible says in verse number uh, six, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and he worshiped him. I want to tell you, this man saw Jesus and he saw him and when he saw where he was, the Bible says he ran and he worshiped him. Do you know what this world needs to see this morning? They need to see Jesus, amen? Do you know what sinners in the house of God need to see? They need to see Jesus. Hey, what the church needs to be presenting the sinner today is not some other form of religion, not something that will soothe their conscience, but what the world needs to hear is the gospel. And the gospel message is this, uh, is that you don't have to live where you're at this morning, that Jesus loved you, he died for you, and he wants to save you. Hallelujah. And this man sees Jesus and he runs and he worships him. Now the question in my mind is why Jesus? Why did he run to where Jesus was? Well, the Bible says in verse number one, when they came over unto the other side of the sea. Notice the Bible emphasizes the sea here in verse number one. This man is living in the tombs. He is living in the mountains. He is crying and cutting himself. If you go back to chapter number four, you see where Jesus said, I believe it's in verse number 35, where he said, let us pass over unto the other side. And so the disciples get on board and they pass over to the other side and they go through this awful storm and Jesus steps out on the bow of that bow and he calms that storm. Oftentimes when we read that text, we think about the disciples and how that they were going through that storm but I want to tell you something this morning that storm probably wasn't as much for them as it was for him amen because he's standing out there on that mountain and he sees these men out in this boat and he sees them going through this storm and he sees them struggling he sees the boat about to go under but all of a sudden he sees another man that steps out on the bow of that boat and he lifts his hand and he speaks to the storm and the sun begins to shine and my friend the clouds roll back 
and the storm passes away and the sea lays down and there was something inside this man that said if he can do that to a storm, surely if he can calm the storm in this world, he may be able to calm the storm that is in my heart and in my life. And this man ran to Jesus and he worshiped him. Something inspired this man to worship Jesus and I believe it was the storm this morning. He saw a person that matters. I want to tell you the greatest person that you'll ever meet is the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother, I'm telling you, if you're saved this morning, you know what a difference Jesus makes when he passes by. I'm telling you, listen, we, uh, this morning there are people that are sitting in church that have heard the gospel. They have heard preaching all of their life, but yet they don't know the Lord. I'm telling you, Jesus is somebody that is real to me, not just on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. He's real to me every day, every moment, every second of my life. Uh, and if you're saved, you know what I'm talking about. He's the only person, my friend, that can make a difference in our life. He is that person that matters the most. He is that person that pulled us out of the fiery pits of hell. He is that person that gives us hope. He is that person that gives us stability. He is that person, my friend, that gives us comfort in the darkest of times. Uh, oh, listen, what a friend the songwriter said. We have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. Isn't it good to know Jesus this morning? I'd rather know him in the free pardon of sin as to know, my friend, the president or to know any, any listen, any famous person in this world. Uh, I'm telling you to know Jesus uh, is to know life eternal today. The real question this morning is do you really know him? Do you know him on a personal level? Has he changed your life? Is he that person that matters? He found a person that matters in verse number six. He found a prayer of mercy. As the Bible said that he cried out to him with a loud voice in verse number seven. This man is so demonic. He is so, uh, listen, uh, he is so possessed by these legions uh, that he cannot even pray a good prayer. He said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus? Thou son of the most high God, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this man ran to the Lord, but as he began to cry out to God, them demons took a hold of him, and they began to speak for him. I'm telling you, listen, if you sell yourself out to the devil, the devil will take complete control of your life. Brother, I'm telling you, here's a man that's trying to make his way to God, but the devil gets right in the middle between him and Jesus uh, and tries to interrupt uh, and hinder this man from getting saved. Can I tell you, I've seen that in church. I've seen people come as far as even to an altar, get down here on their knees and come to be saved, but they turned back. They turned away. They wouldn't come clean and wouldn't be honest with God. I believe the devil, friend, if he can listen, he'll, he'll go all the way with you to the door of salvation and with your hand on the handle, if he can talk you out of it, he'll surely do it this morning. Now I'm telling you, listen, this man got to the feet of Jesus and he began to pray. It wasn't a good prayer and it wasn't a pretty prayer, but he found mercy at his feet. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying if you can get to the feet of Jesus this morning, you can find mercy. Somebody say amen. If you can get to the feet of Jesus, you can find help this morning. You can find grace. You can find salvation, but you gotta run to where he is. You gotta come to where he's at. You gotta get to his feet in order to get help. Amen. Somebody asked me just the other day, they said, Brother Gravely, can I? Well, I was talking to him, I was witnessing to him, and they said, Can I not just pray in my pew? I grant this morning there are some things that you can pray about in your pew, we all have. 
but salvation's not one of them. There's no such thing this morning as secret disciples. And I told that person, I said, well, I said, there's definitely things you can pray about in your pew, but I said, there are things that you need to carry down to the altar. Is that true this morning? I'm telling you, we've got a far cry from the altar in a lot of our churches. We've dismissed them and taken them out of a lot of our churches and told people that you can do business with God and without ever any humiliation, without any or any humbling, without ever any submission. I'm gonna tell you something. When you step out of that aisle and you come to the altar, what that means this morning is you mean business with God. Amen. What that means is, is you're not coming to me this morning. You're not coming down here in front of these people necessarily, but you're coming sincerely. You're coming to meet with God and to get the help that you need that's why the altar is so important in our churches today is that we come and there's something about the flesh that just simply does not want to come but I'm here to tell you if you want to find mercy if you want to get help if you want to find what you need then you need to step out of that pew this morning if the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart you just need to humble yourself you just need to drop your head and come to an old fashioned altar and get on your knees and repent before God and you can find help you can find healing this morning, but friend, there must be repentance in order for there to be salvation today. And this man found mercy not because he prayed a pretty prayer, because he didn't. He found mercy because he ran to Jesus. Brother George, I think about you oftentimes. It's very possible God saved you before you ever got down here to this pew or to this altar that morning. I believe when people, I've heard testimonies of other people that went to the altar and got saved and I've heard them say things like this. Well, when I stepped out of that aisle and I started to make my way to God, I believe God saved me before I ever got down to the altar. Hey, that's before they ever prayed a prayer. I don't have no problem believing that this morning. Do you? You know why? Because when you run to Jesus, he's gonna run to you. Amen? It's for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. And what happened here in this text is my friend is that Jesus uh, uh, came and he got off on the on the seashore and this man ran to Jesus uh, and he found a person that matters uh, but then he found a prayer of mercy but I want to say this morning he found a power that moved him you see when this man got up he wasn't the same person that he was when he got down in fact by the time society gets to where he's at the Bible said he's sitting and he's clothed, and he's in his right mind. I mean, that's a power that moves a man. They had often, the Bible says, bound him with fetters. Uh, listen, but he had broke those fetters. He had broke those chains. Uh, listen, you can bind people up, but they're gonna break it loose every time. That's what religion does. It just puts bindings on you. It just, it just binds you up and says, don't do this and don't do that. But salvation is a relationship. It's fellowship with God. It sets you free. There's a lot of things I don't do anymore, but it's not because I, it's not necessarily because I've been told I don't, I can't. It's because I don't want to, amen? Brother, when God saves you, he changes the want to in you. And now I do things I would have never done had I not met Jesus. And so it is with you this morning. This man is doing something he hadn't done in a very long time. He is sitting and clothed and in his right mind. When you get saved, you'll put some clothes on, won't you? Amen. And when you get saved, you'll calm down. You'll, you'll stop that wild living, won't you? 
This was a wild man. This was a man that was living out in sin. This was a man that, that was doing some very wicked and very ungodly things. But once he met Jesus, there's a power that moved on the inside of this man that changed the outside of that man. Hey, we can try to change the outside of people as much as we want to, but if the inside has never been changed, listen, it won't make no difference what the outside looks like, but once this man meets Jesus, he's sitting and he's clothed and in his right mind. I want to ask you a question this morning. You don't have to answer it. But do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have been born again? That's a question that only you know this morning. And just because you've been in church all your life, that don't make you saved. Just because you've heard preaching all your life don't make you saved. You might be here this morning and say, well, preacher, I come from a, a godly family. That's wonderful, but that don't make you saved. You say, well, how does a person know? I went to the altar and I shed tears. I, friend, I have seen people come to the altar and shed tears and never come back to church, Brother Steve. I've seen people come to the altar and never shed the first tear. And God transformed their life. You see, the question this morning about whether or not you're born again is not in the experience, and I'm not minimizing that, but you better have more than the experience. There better be some reality that took place within that experience because an experience and a profession alone will not do for it. There has to be a possession. There has to be something on the inside. There has to be a power that motivates and moves you to want to live for God. Amen. When I was growing up, when the preacher came, everybody scattered like roaches. Amen. Isn't that right? I mean, people went out the back door, they went out the window, they went out the side door, down the hallway, shut the door any way they could to get away from the preacher. Now, y'all don't look so sanctified. I mean, I mean, the car pulled up and we didn't recognize it. Somebody looked out the door and somebody said, hey, there, there's a preacher coming up. And everybody started hiding their sin. That's the way my family was. But when you get saved, I don't have to hide from the preacher no more. I can run into the preacher at Walmart and I don't have to be worried about it, Jeffrey. I can run into the preacher down at the gas station and I say, how you doing, preacher? I mean, I, I, if I see another saint of God, I mean, my, I remember growing up, uh, my dad would say, somebody that was saved, he would talk about that person and he would say, now they're a Christian and you know, we kind of, you know, steered away from those type of people but after you get saved, it's it amazing. They're not just a Christian, they're your brother, they're your sister. You want to be around them. Hey, you want to sing them old songs uh, that we sung this morning. You want to read that Bible. Don't you love this book this morning? I don't just love it on Sunday but it's good on Monday morning. It's good on Monday afternoon. It's good on Tuesday. I'm talking about there's something on the inside that makes you want to just love the Bible and hear preaching and hear singing and be around the people of God. Hey, that's a power that moves us. When I do wrong, that power moves me. He whips me, condemns me, convicts me. This man found a power that moved him and I close with this thought this morning. He not only found a power that moved him, but he found peace of mind. The Bible said he was sitting and clothed, and notice this, he was in his right mind. This man, you, he couldn't make any sense before this. You could talk to this man, and there's no telling what he might say. But after he meets Jesus, to the astonishment of everybody in town, when they come, 
This man's in his right mind. He's saying things that are of a sound mind. You know, that's what Jesus does for a person. He not only changes your heart, but he changes your thinking. He gives you peace of mind. You're able to pillow your head at night as somebody's already said this morning and if, any, if I passed away or if I don't see the, another sunlight of a, another day, thank God, I know where I'm going to go. I'll meet you by that river on that golden shore. I'll meet you in heaven. Hey, salvation is not just a profession, but it's a reality this morning. And what I'm saying is that if you're truly saved, you'll know that you're saved because you'll have peace of mind in your heart. Do you have peace about eternity? Do you know this morning if you're sitting in that pew and you, you have got to convince yourself that you're saved, then I would be very concerned about you. There was a young lady that got saved on Monday night and then there was a young lady that got saved on Friday night in the revival meeting this week. And last night, as I was standing there on the front steps of the church with the preacher, she come, the lady that got saved on Friday night, she came up and I don't know, I'm guessing she's probably about 20 25, 26 years of age and she came up the steps and, and uh, she, she was talking to the pastor and he said uh, she'd been a member of that church all of her life, good church. And she sat under his preaching all of her life and she went back home and some of her family, meaning well, they wanted to make sure that uh, she had got everything settled and they sat down and they asked her, they said, do you think you just doubted? Do you think you was just confused? And she says, no. She said, I was lost. She said, God showed me that. And she told the preacher, she said, I want to be baptized. And she said, I want to come forward for baptism. And she said, I've got peace the last 24 hours. She said, I've got peace that I've not had my whole life. Friend, that's salvation this morning. You say, do you believe she got saved without a shadow of a doubt? I'm telling you, listen, just like this man in this text, there are people that sit in church Sunday after Sunday and they're shackled by sin. They're tormented by sin. A lot of people think that, well, the drunkard or the dope head or the prostitute is the only ones that are shackled by sin. But I'm here to tell you this morning, there are people sitting in our churches today, they're shackled by religion. They know the lingo, they know the language. Brother Steve, they don't have peace. Manetta's in heaven this morning. Lived right down here on the corner in a little old house falling in. And I remember the Sunday, me and my wife pulled up that stop sign and she was sitting on two cinder blocks in the front yard and the Holy Ghost said, you pray for her. And we'd been to her house and we tried to talk to her several times about being saved, but she's just like this man. She could rattle off a whole bunch of nothing that made no sense. Drugs and alcohol had burnt her mind up to the point. I prayed. I said, God, I I don't know what to do for her. I said, she don't make any sense when we try to talk to her. God said, you can pray for her. You can ask the church to pray for her. I remember coming back that Wednesday night and we got around this altar and we prayed for God. We prayed for that lady on the corner for God to do something. And to make a long story short, she showed up a couple times in service, but I remember the Sunday night. She came that Sunday morning, and God wouldn't let me preach to the lost that morning. And I went home, and I thought, I wished I, I thought maybe I missed it. But she came in that Sunday night. Uh, I remember she come in. She come in, and Brother Steve, she sat about where you're at. 
She's carrying a little orange New Testament, Gideon New Testament. The choir was singing. I was going to preach out of 1 Corinthians 14 to the church. And I walked back there to where she was at. And I said, Manetta, I thought she ain't going to make no sense. But I looked at her and I said, Manetta, I said, why, why are you coming to church? And she looked up at me and I mean with tears running down her face. She said, I'm tormented. And she said, I want peace. And that broke my heart. And I started back down this aisle. And the Holy Ghost said, that's what you're preaching on tonight. You're going to preach on how to have peace. And I remember preaching about seven minutes. Shortest sermon I've ever preached in my life. Seven minutes on how to have peace. John 14, 27. Peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I'm going to tell you what I was doing that night. Just throwing the lifeline out to an old sinner that was drowning. And she grabbed hold of it, came to this altar and got saved. Got born again. I'm going to tell you what God did for that lady. He opened her mind up for another service. The grace of God opened her mind up and gave her her mind back so she could hear the gospel one final time. We was in the altar and she said, can I say a word? And I thought, I don't know if I, I don't know. I said, a short one. And I'll never forget what she told us. She said, I know y'all think I'm crazy. She said, but I'm in my right mind tonight. And God saved me. And if you've been here any length of time and you met her, you know the rest of the story. She's in heaven. She's, she's by the river, Brother Laddie. She's down by the river with the people of God. And we watch God give her peace. Drugs and men used to come, but they stopped coming. She told us one day, she said, I hadn't seen my grandkids. She said, my children won't come around because she was so crazy. But I remember when she called us and she said, she was so excited she said, my son's coming over and said he's bringing the grandbaby on Grandparents' Day. I think, well, that's worth celebrating over. That wouldn't mean a whole lot to a lot of people. That's what God does for people. I'm going to tell you, our churches, oh, to God, if we could get men back to just preaching in our churches. We got so much formalism. It's killing people today. I'm not, in, I'm not interested this morning in impressing anyone. I'm, I'm interested in somebody getting help today. Amen. Sincerely, I mean that. And I wonder as we stand, Brother David's going to sing. If you're here, you're lost, you need to get right with God. This altar's open. While we sing this verse, would you come this morning? Would you come?